0: Welcome to The Great Exchange, a podcast about examining the lies that we believe and exchange them for God's truth. I'm your host, Brady Cohn, and joining me once again is Dr. Evan LaCour. Yeah. Hey, Brady. How's it going? Great. It's great to be back with you once again. Yeah. So, so Evan, you are a pediatrician here in Nebraska. Mm -hmm. Yep. And so we have been having these conversations on transgenderism, uh, gender affirming care, especially Mm -hmm. when it's, it's done to minors. And today yep. we're gonna look at, more specifically, the medical aspect. And yeah. so that can be surgeries, uh, um, hormones, puberty blockers. Mm-hmm. And so we see this, obviously, as a very controversial subject in our culture. And yeah. uh, and it should be, I think, that we need to be using some logic and reason. And I, one mm-hmm. of the things I appreciate about you is you are a logic and reason person. Yep. And so you look at the data, and you look mm-hmm. at reality, you look at real science, and say, yeah. what, what does the science say? And so I think that that's informative of how we respond to these issues of medical transitions, especially mm-hmm. when it comes to kids.
1: Yeah, for sure. Well, let's just jump right in. Um, I think the first thing to talk about is puberty blockers because it's in the media, lots of people talking about what do we do um, medically if things come up or what are some people practicing? And so I think the uh, biggest medicine people are aware of because it's starting to affect that kid world um, is puberty blockers. And so that's medicine. Lupron is the Mm -hmm. brand name of that. And there are a couple other brand names out there, but Lupron is definitely the favored um, medication. And so it does have some very legitimate Purposes and treatments. And so I think we need to start with that, as there are very um, pertinent medical conditions that Lupron was invented for. It wasn't initially invented with the thought of blocking puberty. Um, It's more that's the byproduct of treating some of these conditions. And so the first one was actually in adults and it's endometriosis. Mm. Um, Lupron can suppress some of your natural sex hormone production for females who have this condition um, that results in a lot of abdominal and pelvic pain and sometimes requires a surgery to remove that exogenous tissue. Um, But this medicine was initially used in that condition. Um, it's usually only used for six months, maybe a year as a bridge between, and they're also using some hormone adjuncts to help with side effects. Mm. So adult world, endometriosis, viable use. We do use this in kids for something called central precocious puberty. And this is a condition where when you are four, five, or six years old, if you start to go through puberty, again, this would be a malformation. This is not something we think you should do. And the downside of early puberty is that your bones close earlier, so you don't reach your adult height potential. Um... And then you start to go through sexual transition when you're five. Can you imagine seeing a kindergartner running around with breast tissue or Mm -hmm, um, uh, other external sexual characteristics that's just not going to go well at school with social interactions and stuff. And so there's a medical reason to give them this medicine that does pause that process. Mm
0: -hmm. So that's a rare condition Mm -hmm. and it's to treat a medical condition temporarily correct uh, to to correct something that you know um our fallen bodies are obviously getting wrong because we live in a fallen world and so it's to actually treat a medical condition correct
1: and like you said it's very rare so in um my I'm still a young physician, but in my six years of experience um, and further years into med school, I've only seen one diagnosed case of central precocious puberty. Mm. Um, That's not to say that it's not out there. It's just a relatively Mm -hmm. uncommon problem to come across. And this medicine is used. So you'll hear things about... uh, puberty blockers like they're totally reversible and the side effects are minimal mm-hmm. and stuff and so there is a modicum of truth in that which is where we have to really get down into what's been studied and what do we know and so what was studied was these four five six-year-olds who go through puberty too early which we say is abnormal And we give them this puberty blocker, quote unquote, medicine to stop that process. And we only do that until they reach the age where they should be going through puberty. And so if girls on average start between 8 and 11 and boys between 9 and 12, then somewhere around the age of 9 or 10, those medicines are stopped and you allow the body to naturally progress Mm -hmm. through what is that normal cycle. So
0: they're they're supposed to be used to correct an abnormality to allow the body Mm -hmm. to do what's then is normal, which is puberty around 10, 11, 12 years old. Yep, exactly. So let's let's, uh, take a moment and watch this little video once again. Um, uh, This is from the Matt Walsh documentary, What is a Woman with a Pediatrician?
1: At what age does the medical transition begin with uh, medication?
0: So medical affirmation begins when the patient says they're ready for it.
1: So that could be a a kiddo who is just starting puberty and panicking because they're getting breast buds or their penis is getting
0: bigger and busier and they're worried about all kinds of masculine changes. And that way, puberty blockers, which are completely reversible and don't
1: have permanent effects, are wonderful because we can put that pause on puberty just like if you were listening to music, you put the pause on and we stop the blockers and puberty would go right back to where it was. The next note in the song just delayed that period of time.
0: So this, so this is a pediatrician, Dr. Forsier mm-hmm. who is a big advocate of gender affirming care. And so she says mm-hmm. that, uh, whenever the patient feels ready. So obviously mm-hmm. this is a child, a pediatric patient who uh, has felt some gender dysphoria, mm-hmm. who is working through transgenderism, gender dysphoria, and uh, she's advocating for starting the puberty blockers as soon as they are starting puberty. So he said that there, she said there's this tension of they're getting breasts, maybe their mm-hmm. penis is getting larger, uh, normal puberty, mm-hmm. and puts a pause on that. Um, And so I think that where we would have a problem with that is that instead of using these drugs as a temporary to correct a disorder Mm -hmm. they're taking a natural process of puberty and actually stopping that uh, because of emotional maybe emotional distress and well no junior high age is a horrible time yep it's confusing there's things happening Mm -hmm. to your body i was really confused during that time Mm -hmm. and uh and so it causes distress but i i the answer should be helping kids work through that distress yeah helping them understand what puberty is and what manhood is and womanhood is and celebrate mm-hmm. that in them instead of um putting them on these puberty blockers to stop that process and she clearly claims yeah. that it's completely uh reversible and doesn't have any long-term effects and right. do you believe that those are valid <clears throat> statements for how yeah. they're being used
1: um so no i find it Maybe two uh, discrepancies that I have. The first being when she says we start when they are ready. And as we talked about in our last episode, can a kid really make that decision? Mm -hmm. Like, I would argue that kids don't have the frontal cortex to ever be ready to make a decision like that because it's just not developed so that's the first thing she's assuming that they have a modicum of ability to make that decision on their own or autonomously um which i would disagree with the second is she says you just put a pause and she has a very nice way of saying it i love the analogy you just pause the music that you start it again the next note goes on but she didn't talk about how you changed the cd and you scratched it up or you pulled the tape out and tried to rewind it now it's not going to sound the same it's not just mm-hmm. a you messed with it, and I think that's what this medicine really mm-hmm. is doing. Um, and so I actually printed off the FDA's <clears throat> uh, twenty-seven-page wow, LuPron um, studies and stuff from when, it <clears throat> excuse me, from when it was first accepted. So if we look at the side effect profiles, you get a couple of different things. Initially, there's an increase in your sex steroids. And so people in the first couple months of treatment will actually see some breast tissue increase or some penile swelling, and then it starts to go down. There's psychological effects, so listed here is emotional lability, which just means you can be a little more agitated or irritable, you can cry for no reason, your emotions are being messed with because we're changing your hormone structure. Um, You can have seizures. It's more common in people with a history of seizures. So if there's a kid who's had a seizure disorder and is on medicine, they probably shouldn't do this because it increases their risk of having more seizures. It's also interactive with medicines that we use for depression, like SSRIs and bupropion, which are very commonly used in that transgender community um, to help with their initial stages of gender dysphoria and depression. So things that we have to look at. um, And then long term, these things have been shown to decrease your bone mineral density, Mm. um, which is what a lot of people are pointing to as Mm -hmm. the bigger problem in kids. So this again goes to what have we studied and what do we know in that central precocious puberty age group? We know that they lose some bone mass density. Um, during their Lupron one to two year stint while we're pausing puberty. But in extended studies, then afterwards, they go through puberty. They're very active. They're eating well. Their hormones balance out. They build back that bone mass Mm -hmm. and that bone density. And so we don't see long-term problems from short punctuated use when kids go through puberty. We have zero data on doing Lupron in the middle of puberty indefinitely. If you are 10 years old and you start to have breast tissue and you think you're a boy, but really you're a girl and you go, I wanna start this medicine right now. There is no one that can say you will be perfectly fertile when you're older if you wanna stop. Your bone mass will be unhindered if you wanna stop. We just don't know what using this medicine for four years might do to you.
0: Um, and we do know that its uh, it has some documented side effects and that it's disrupting a natural process of development. Yeah. One of the things that I, I hear about Lupron is that it's actually been used for chemical castration for yeah. sex offenders. So mm-hmm. uh, so obviously it, it's been known, whether that was whether what it was developed for or mm-hmm. not, that it is gonna further Impermanently permanently sterilize a person. Mm-hmm. And so can, can you speak yeah. into that at all? Yeah.
1: Um, and so where it's used in what we would call paraphilia. So these are sexual desires outside of the socially acceptable, right? Which mm-hmm. pedophilia falls into that. Um, other things used to fall into that category that don't. <clears throat> um, that was actually a side effect noted by users. Mm. So people that were on Lupron for endometriosis, or there's some other, cancers and things that it can be useful against would notice that their libido was down or that their ability to enjoy sexual function was decreased. And so somebody said, well, what if you have somebody who says I like 12 year olds and I know that's wrong. How can you help me? You could use this medicine to decrease their libido or their Mm. sex drive because it's blocking your secretions to make you have testosterone and estrogen production so if you lower your testosterone and estrogen levels by blocking it you're gonna decrease those desires and that drive long-term use in those typically male offenders that were treated with this does result in essentially chemical castration Um, they lose the ability to produce sperm and so even if they go off of the medicine later in life they've dealt with this issue in a more psychological manner um, and they come off of that drug, they're not able to have kids after mm-hmm. that. Yeah. Um, so that so, definitely me, been noted. To me, that
0: is absolutely tragic that, that we're then marketing that to kids as mm-hmm. completely reversible and just a pause yep. on puberty when it, it's known and it's been used for chemical castration. Mm-hmm. And so to me, that's, that's no different than cutting off a kid's genitals like chopping them off, rendering them useless. Mm -hmm. And I I think that that's tragic that we would allow a child to make that decision. Sometimes it's being pushed on them of like, Mm -hmm. well, we want you to fit into this box and I I've dealt with so many families and seen so many situations where I don't think it was even the child's decision. It's like the, the parents are mm. finding their identity or their value in like having a trans child. Cause it's the cool thing to do right now. And the parents yeah. are adamant and, and pushing this on them. And mm-hmm. I, I, I can't help but call it anything but child abuse, yeah. but I'm thankful for people like you who have the facts and the knowledge mm-hmm. and the logic, yeah. um, to look at this and, uh, um, and, and say, these are some red flags and cautions why, why we shouldn't be doing this. Yeah. And so to me, that's tragic when a, a child has their um, capacity for childbearing mm-hmm. taken away from them. And uh, we as a society should be uh, putting a major pause on that yeah
1: no, for sure, and I agree. I feel the same struggle and stress of man, we're making permanent decisions for kids on things that I'm not
0: sure they're capable of doing, absolutely, <clears throat> and that could just be a phase, like adolescence and puberty mm-hmm. is confusing, yeah. and it's hard, and so let let's help kids there, and so many times. Uh, It's a phase. And I see a lot of adults now, especially a lot of uh, adult women, Mm -hmm. who will say, man, like 20 years ago or 30 years when I was growing up, I was a total tomboy. I loved Mm -hmm. playing outside in the dirt and uh, wearing my jeans and a t-shirt. And they said, if I'd been growing up today, I would have been labeled as transgender. And I would have been put in the box that you need to be a boy. And uh, they say, thank goodness I grew up 30 years ago before that was Mm -hmm. a thing. And I was allowed to just grow up and grow out of it and I think they love their womanhood and It's, it's not a problem, yeah. and so they were creating it to be a problem sometimes for kids who wouldn't have otherwise had issues with it. Yeah, and I think
1: there's something to be said in the world of, especially for women, because they have that reproductive ability to mm-hmm. have children um, and to bring them to term, and so it's one of those, when you're 21, you might be convinced, I never wanna have kids. Yeah. I wanna just be a, be a career woman, which is fine. If you want to have, I know lots of women who have excellent careers, who have achieved very good things um, and who are moms on top of it. And I don't know how they do it because I am not that strong. Mm -hmm. But I also know of many women who go into doctorate programs or postgraduate programs and then in their 30s they find that calling to be a mother and if they have a spouse who can support them they exit the workforce to raise kids and to be mom and that yeah. brings them great joy and so i would hate to take away that ability Absolutely.
0: to change your mind i wouldn't want them to make that decision at 21 and then yep. we want kids to make that decision at 12 yep and to me that, that, that that's tragic and uh abusive yeah uh, next uh topic of that transition is top surgery so yeah. we see that with the girls um who are 12 years old and uh they don't feel like they're they're a girl and they don't want to be a woman there's this anxiety mm-hmm. and so they're beginning top surgery where their 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 breast tissue is removed and I mean yep. that's like you know uh genital mutilation Mm -hmm. Um, and some people try to claim that that's not happening for kids I we Mm -hmm. know that it is it's like I've seen TikToks of doctors talking about Mm -hmm. doing all the top all the top surgeries they do for girls like teenage girls and so what what are your thoughts on that should we be doing these are physically Mm -hmm. healthy girls and so to me we're not fixing a medical problem Mm -hmm. we are mutilating their body because of a uh emotional mental psychological feelings Mm -hmm. instead of dealing with the, the feelings aspect um and the emotional aspect we're were doing surgery on their body.
1: Yeah. Um, this comes back to really what we've been saying cuz a lot of this is circular. You're doing something that's permanent. You're removing their ability one to have breasts and to feel like a woman then. Like what if in 15 years from now they detransition and they say, "You know, I went through this phase and I felt more tomboyish and people told me I should be a boy, but now I want to now I'm a woman again. Like I know I'm a woman now." But you don't have any breast tissue. That's going to be more difficult to walk through and to deal with. Mm -hmm. Um, It also comes back to reproduction and feeding and maternal instinct. And if you cut off your breast tissue at the age of 16 and you want to, you don't do any more surgeries, but someday you get married, you want to have kids and you want to breastfeed your kids. There's no option for that. Um, And so we're doing things that have really significant consequences in the future to kids who aren't able to see the future like the pinnacle of maturity and becoming an adult is postponing immediate pleasure for future pleasure and saying you know if i don't do this right now i'm gonna have so much more joy later Mm -hmm. six-year-olds can't do that 12-year-olds can't do that if you say, do you want cake now or do you want an entire cake in five years, they're going to just take the cake now and run yeah, with which it.
0: Which I do that as <clears throat> 37. But. True.
1: <laughs> um, but they just don't have that ability to understand delayed gratification. Uh-huh. Um, Um,
0: and I think the frustrating part is that the world we live in, if we raise these red flags, we're called transphobic Mm -hmm. Yep, and we're called hateful bigots Mm -hmm. and we have to navigate that world. And I see you doing that with so much grace because Mm -hmm. you're in a hard position there. Mm -hmm. Whereas a lot of the medical world is, uh, um, moving in that direction and would would Mm -hmm. be doing what we would call, you know, rejecting real science for the sake Mm -hmm. of ideology. Yeah. Um, and so how would you encourage parents to navigate that and uh not um just listen to these cultural voices? Um you know, mm-hmm. I, I just I our our parents can are are in such tough spots sometimes because yeah. every other voice it seems like is screaming at their kids to if the mm-hmm. cool thing to do is do this or do that or you yeah. may be transgender, you need to buy bi, non binary, mm-hmm. uh all kinds of voices in our culture.
1: Yeah. Um I think that's a, a very good question because it's hard for me to navigate at times because like I said I've I'm part of organizations like the American mm-hmm. Academy of Pediatrics who has a statement that is all about trans identification and gender affirming care and how this is a good and a necessity which I don't agree with and I would love to be able to say you know the AAP has a great stance on this they're apolitical and they're just talking about the medicine but I don't see that happening and so If you're one that takes that big recommendation to heart, then we just have to be careful. And so Mm -hmm. I used to be somebody, I would even say five years ago, if the CDC or the FDA or the AAP had made a statement on a health risk or a policy. I would've said, these are the specialists, they know what they're talking about, let's run with those recommendations. And I still do that a lot in my medical practice. But I've had to step back and say, now I need to evaluate what you saw. Because I don't always trust Mm -hmm. how they're interpreting the numbers or what they're saying from a moral context. We just have a very different basis um, of understanding of right and wrong. of what we think is true and so as parents you have like i said in the last episode you are in control of shaping your Mm -hmm. kid um and growing them into a worldview that if you are a christian is biblical if you're of another faith base then you're going to grow them into that um and so do do your best to lead them in what you know to be right and wrong despite the noise um And you can always, so on the physician side, um, you can always talk with your pediatrician about it and that can help you decide, is this the pediatrician for you? You know, Mm -hmm. if you're having those conversations early and you just say, hey, I wonder, you know, what do you think about this or what are the safeties and side effects of anything? You can ask that with antibiotics. You can ask that with anything your kid's going to get. You'll really be able to find out who do you want taking care of you and make some of those decisions too along the way. You might find that you need to pick a different doctor when the kid is 10 or 12 or 15 years old if they're not as comfortable discussing those problems.
0: Yeah absolutely that's that's a good word and so i appreciate your your time evan and i think our audience will will love it um uh we're navigating some hard places in culture Mm -hmm. and uh as christians we go back to the truth we trust in how god made us we understand that we're fallen Mm -hmm. broken people sometimes that's our mind sometimes that's our body sometimes that's our soul we all Mm -hmm. need repentance and we all need to really reclaim you know and find our humanity in jesus and reclaim manhood womanhood and uh celebrate that Mm -hmm. um and celebrate that god made men and women different and for a purpose and he made it beautiful and uh and i think that as christians we have a lot of work to do there yeah because many times we've also twisted masculinity Mm -hmm. to be something that it isn't we've twisted Womanhood be something that not I should say femininity, but I yeah. always mess up that word, so I try not to say it. <laughs> and so, yeah. um, and so we, uh, I think um, one one of the things I take away from today is that we don't have to fear our mm-hmm. culture. Like I see no fear in you because yeah. we can know the truth. We can raise our family mm-hmm. in the truth. We can have the Holy Spirit to sustain us yeah. in the difficult moments. And uh, and God gave us a brain and logic and reason and mm-hmm. uh, to to help us make choices for our kids, yep. even with all the cultural noise out there.
1: Yep for sure
0: absolutely well thanks once again do you have anything else to add any parting words of wisdom from dr evan McCourt?
1: i don't think so we've covered a lot today and i think that pretty much says most of it all right
0: well thank you so much for your time thank you so much for joining us on the great exchange we pray that as you go throughout your week you can examine the lies that you believe and exchange them for god's truth thank you for joining us